welcome to Still Listening, a monthly arts podcast. I'm your host, Zach Burke. I'm Eva Hibbs, and today's episode is about naming. Titles, where do they come from, why do we need them? And do they even matter? Today on our show we've got Robot Swans, a local band from Oxford, uh, a three-piece, but we've got two members in the interview today, uh, Matt and Laura. With this month's theme, let's talk about what's in a title. So Eva, I, I've got a couple different novels here for you that originally <laughs> that originally had very different titles and were changed in the last second and became extremely famous under their current names. Uh, but I want to talk to you about how maybe these would have changed, or, or would these books even have been as famous as they are if they were named something different? All right, what have we got? So I'm going to start today with the original title, which is The Last Man in Europe. What book do you think that is? <laughs> it's not The Outsider. No? no? Really good guess, though. No, um, Orwell's 1984 ah. it was originally titled The Last Man in Europe. Uh, not quite as catchy, is it? Well, no, and not, like, prophetic at all, really, is mm. it, in a way? Whereas 1984 is, like, he's kind of pointing at something. Yeah. It's a really specific point in time. But yeah, The Last Man in Europe, I mean, that sounds almost like a Twilight Zone episode or mm-hmm. sort of a, yeah. It's interesting. Um, so here's this one. This one was originally titled Among Ash Heaps and Millionaires or Trimalchio or Trimalchio in the West or On the Road to West Egg or Under the Red, White, and Blue or The High Bouncing Lover. Wow, you have, you've lost me. It's good that I like the high bouncing lover. High bouncing lover is actually yeah, same, same. Um, (laughs) But what you did read was The Great Gatsby. Oh really? Yeah, which is interesting. I mean, just almost these are like too authorial in a way, which is interesting as well. Whereas The Great Gatsby almost sounds like a legend in its way, and so that's really nice. But all these other ones feel a bit, you know, overdone. Where The Great Gatsby is somehow. How about this one? This one's a little bit more of a dead giveaway, but Atticus. Oh, yeah, How to Kill a Mockingbird. Yes, yes, indeed. But doesn't that change the focus? Yeah, entirely. Like, entirely. And it's just, yeah. it would be a completely different book. Yeah. If you were focusing so much on, on Atticus, um, who obviously is still an extremely central character, but. More like the fort that is guarding the entire uh, chorus of characters. Yeah, it? yeah. It's interesting. It's, it's funny. It really makes such a big difference. And they, they just go on and on. Something that happened. What book does that sound like? Every <laughs> single book? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, but that's Of Mice and Men. It's originally something oh. that happened. Wow. In any case, much, much different. Um, here's one. Uh, Twilight. What would have been the original Twilight? The original Twilight type? No, so we now oh. have Twilight. We okay. live in a post-Twilight world, okay. but we might have been what was, in a... What could have been the original Twilight? Yeah. Um... The Sound and the Fury. Faulkner. Oh, really? Yeah. I suppose that it's all about the, the theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so. That kind of window of time before death. Yeah, which yeah. is really, I mean, actually quite fitting in a uh-huh. way. But it's That's interesting. That's like ruckus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's diminutive, isn't it? If it's Twilight. Whereas the sound yeah. of the fury is ravaging. Mm. I'm not sure about this one. This one's a bit silly, really. But first impressions. <laughs> just sounds a bit empty, doesn't it? It does. It's like <laughs> it does. But one of yeah. your country's most beloved books. 
I will say. First impressions. Is it an Austin? It is an Austin. Which is <laughs> <laughs> what all Austins are about. <laughs> um, yeah, Pride and Prejudice is originally oh. called First Impressions. Okay. And last but not least, Strangers from Within. I like it. Same. There's nothing wrong with it, but I think it's just much less stylized than the, the final title. Okay, what is and it? certainly much less memorable. Uh, with the final title being Lord of the Flies. Oh. Yeah, it's, uh, it's on, too on the nose, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, that's just a little example of how, how big a difference, you know, these titles can play yeah. in the books we love. Where, again, like with Orwell's, you know, again, he famously prophetic book. But, you know, how much less prophetic would it be if The Last Man in Europe were its title? Um, and so on. Yeah, anyway. It seems an isolation, doesn't it? Whereas 1984 is universal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good point as well. Where, yeah, so it, it overly localizes it, maybe. Yeah. And then, yeah, it also sort of loses its scope, or at least its vision. Mm-hmm. So. And then the same with something that happened. <laughs> yeah, well, it's something it that happened. Just accidental. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's. I think. I, I think. I see what he's going for. I think he's trying to underplay. Yeah. Like, and you know, that's quite sad. Like, making it even sadder somehow, mm-hmm. and it's matter of mm-hmm. factness, which is just kind of Steinbeck's thing anyway. But yeah, it is a bit. It's a bit too matter of fact. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like they, it, was, it shouldn't be called like the thing they did. Like, it's mm-hmm. just like that's a bit. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a working title that he just got too lazy to change, and then started to believe that it was actually. Right, actually quite... Unique. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, profound. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that did happen. <laughs> Something mm. that happened. Yeah. Something that happened. Uh, Something yeah. <laughs> that happened. <laughs> so, in my research on titles, I noticed the difference between... The t- some of the titles in the UK and in the US um, how culture travels basically mm. across to you guys <laughs> good <laughs> <laughs> so as we could probably predict some titles change transatlantically due to like a lack of reference point for the audience okay so for instance you got the game Cluedo you know everyone in- says to their American friend do you want to play Cluedo they're like what the hell do you mean yeah yeah, basically. I want to play Clue. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> because Cluedo was originally a riff on Ludo. Which, which I still don't get to this day. Yeah, and then to be honest, I, you know, I probably wouldn't know how to play, but there's there's a familiarity there. <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I can see how Cluedo would appeal to me. Sure. It's, um, <laughs> so there's that. There's um, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle in... Oh the UK became Harold and Kumar get the munchies wow wow way different um, way different story <laughs> yeah <coughs> I suppose they probably didn't want audiences coming into what they thought was like a medieval genre piece yeah I mean you'd like to think Harold and Kumar wouldn't be like quite the normal like bumbling adventures but <laughs> <laughs> you never know yeah that's true that's true but yeah get the munchies it might have does. been spelt like K-O-O-M-U-H or something or, or M A G H, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no white castles over here. But there's actually some. There aren't white castles in some states in the U.S. either. No, there's not one where I'm from, um, which is good because it's. I I personally find it like horrific. Um, oh. But. So why would they want to go there? Uh, I seem to be alone in that. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it seems to be. Um, but I'm basically just tiny burgers, which certainly yeah. the novelty is good. Good for munchies. I guess. I don't know. They're like slimy. Yeah, anyway. There's, or this if is, they're, they're certainly getting in a bit. Kind of, if the notion is that you just want to continue eating. That's like, true. I no mean, yeah, how yeah. big the thing is I mean, that you had before. That's true, yeah. <laughs> so then, in which case, it is a, a perfect quest narrative. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, more often than not, titles are changed for stylistic reasons, transatlantically, which is where it gets slightly more interesting. Why would audiences in the UK prefer a book called Love Rosie over one called Where Rainbows End? That's a Cecilia Ahern novel. Huh. Where Rainbows ago. End. Well, I can see why. I don't know. There's maybe, maybe you just have more dignity. Like. <laughs> you prefer Love Rosie. Yeah, I think maybe. That's because it's been catered towards you. Has it? Just because Culturally. of my, my geopolitical location? Yeah. Yeah. Well, isn't it? But it's Love Rosie here in the UK. No, no, it's Where Rainbows End here. Oh, fantastic. We did well. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. That's <laughs> Where Rainbows me. End being the original title, yeah. might I add. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. That's quite strange. I'm not really sure. That's a completely different meaning to me, certainly. Yeah. Like, Love Rosie, that sounds like Epitaph-esque. Mm. Um Whereas where rainbows end makes me think we're going on a... Obituary. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's another Rosie, Cider with Rosie by Laurie Lee, became in the US Edge of Day. Edge of Day. Now, I thought perhaps it was because cider wasn't... Drinking cider wasn't widespread. Not widespread. Old Rosie certainly hasn't (laughs) made its way. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they just didn't drink cider enough to connect with what it might mean to drink cider with Rosie. Maybe, but Edge of Day, what does that mean? That's a much, that just sounds like a thriller or something. Like, yeah. it's a bit hard, isn't it? Yeah. And then there's one that people have probably heard before is Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone in the UK. Oh, this still makes me sad. Became Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah, because... <laughs> in what? the US. The only because, bonus. Because, uh, because, and oh. I quote, the word philosopher is too cerebral for kids to connect with. <laughs> oh, so sad. Too cerebral. The reason they're using is too cerebral. I think <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. Uh, and we, and we, because of this change, some scenes of the movie did have to be entirely reshot for US audiences. Wow. That's the most expensive change probably on the list. <laughs> um Interesting. I do think the only advantage is we do get the alliteration. You do, yeah. Which is a, a small like comfort. And it sounds like, what's the snake language that they use? The snake language they use? Couldn't tell you. Parcel tongue. Yeah, the sorcerer's stone sounds like it could be the translation in parcel tongue. So... Sorcerer's stone. I'll take it. Excellent. Well, as we can see, naming is extremely important. It makes a big difference for the the art we consume of all stripes. You change the name, you change the meaning, and I think it's a big deal. And that's something that happened. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now for our guests. We've joined Matt and Laura in Matt's living room, where Matt has an acoustic guitar, and Laura has a very unusual instrument from the 80s, something between a synth and a keyboard. They recently just released their their debut album. They launched it at Modern Art Oxford a couple of weeks ago. 
To get us started, here's their first track, an exclusive acoustic version of the song Mirror of Nothing, which will be played now. Enjoy.
So how did that song come about? Is it one of your yeah. yeah. I was going to ask you, do you think it's a sad song? Yeah, it's a sort of giving in kind of um, song, I suppose. Like, yeah, um, yeah, it's a lot of like resignation. Uh, I like the fact that it's kind of in a um, major key. If you try and like write a sad song with like minor chords, it's like a bit cliched, I guess. So if you do it and you get, it feels like it's a lot easier to be more bitter and have uh, more leeway, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Doing, yeah. yeah. Happy. I really like yeah. the ending. I like, I love the last two lines. The unilateral. Uniform, unisex, uniform, unilateral lines. It's going to be 7 billion people because think of how many there are. <laughs> but it doesn't scan. Well, it's 8 now, so. Is probably. It? Oh, and that would have worked. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe each year you play it, you can update the number. Yeah. 7 to 500,450. Yeah, I was like, yeah, 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 I think it was initially a breakup song, but the person I'd broken up with actually was like quite. Well, I was cross because you always are after a breakup, but uh, they're actually quite nice. And so I then had to invent a, a much worse and less interesting person to for the song to be about. So oh. it grew out of a breakup, but then like just it became an, an imaginary breakup song with an imaginary much worse person. Um, yeah. And then, so I think it was imagining a person who has lived their life by trying to just copy everything that was around them and being unoriginal. And yeah. nothing is like a lack of substance. Yeah. Rather than a lack of Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thing. So like, yeah. I'd call you a mirror of nothing. Like. But the problem, yeah, I think it was definitely one of the songs as well, though, where I'd started deciding that I was going to let myself just let the words wander off a bit and not always make as much sense, which makes it much harder to then justify the words afterwards. But, um, but yeah. if a mirror obscures anyway, like everything that you put in front of it is going to reflect back onto yeah. it. So... I, yeah, I, think I guess you can get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting to have to be angry to invent something yeah. so you can like yeah. spell that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I used to like, write loads of environmental songs and politics, kind of, sort of musical songs and stuff. And mm -hmm. then uh, I think it's pretty much impossible to write one that doesn't sound really naff or preachy. And, yeah, you do it well though; it still comes through. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier, where like all the lyrics are quite pointed, but they're not. You're not labeling anything specifically that you're angry at or like yeah. cri criticizing, and I think that works really well. Yeah, it was a, like Leonard Cohen. Like Leonard Cohen's like one of my favorite like um, songwriters, and he had this thing once that he said where he he'll write a song, and then go back and look and strip out all of the slow anything that could be like interpreted as a slogan. But, you know what diamonds in the mine. Yeah, that song kind of reminds me of that. Oh, bit, cool. Like in that, yeah, that kind of like <laughs> uh, sounds like nicer than it is in some yeah, ways. Yeah, 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 yeah uh, definitely. Yeah, that's what yeah. it's Sterilizing bitches and things, but it's like in a happy sort of jumpy yeah. like melody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're doing this episode about like the idea of naming and entitling and what effect that can have on like the finished product or how it can change it. Yeah. It really took um, us a really, really long time to come up with a name for the band, actually. Yeah, so we're gonna ask. Yeah, so like, what is the origin story of robots? It, it just took ages and ages and lots of 
nights of discussions and we just couldn't agree on one. It was really, really hard. Yeah. I think with two people, you can come to agreements on things like that. With three, you're like... You, you know, always have two people liking it and something. Like, no, <laughs> yeah. No way. <laughs> well, in physics, they talk about like the three-body problem, which is like... If I understood it right, like if you've got like two planets in orbit, um, they, it's you can predict for, you know, thousands of years pretty much where the two planets are going to be. If you have three of them, they're all affecting each other, and it becomes a chaotic system, and it's actually impossible to, you know, um, you know, sort of predict over even quite a short time frame because they're all affecting each other, and, and it feels a bit like that when you're trying to just get three people to agree. Then Luke wanted to be called Acid Smoothie, I think, and then we were like, no. I was just glad that there's one name that we could all agree on. Yeah, probably was fun with that as, a, as an album name. You know, while you're writing a song, you get so much practice at writing that song, but you don't get lots of practice at naming the song. Mm -hmm. You only get I, like, I one like shot at it. I stuff. I often name the songs something completely different from what is in the song. Does that mean that people don't know what the songs are when they... Why do people request like, songs uh, of Like, for example, with Pricks of the Trade, the phrase Pricks of the Trade never actually happens in the song. Yeah. It's just a description. Is that part of the creation for you, or can it be? Yeah, for me. Yeah. And like it's like an extra little bit if you if you written a song and then you give it a different title. That's like like gives you a different perspective on. It. And like when Radio's album came out the other week, um, everyone, well, like people noticed that it was in alphabetical order, which like which either is like a massive coincidence or they realised it was almost. It was already almost in alphabetical order from how they wanted from how they wanted it, and then they changed some of the track names. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, that's an interesting thing to bring up. Yeah, I know a band in Germany, and they all their songs are numbered, so they're just like, okay, now we're going to play five, now we're going to play twenty-three, and like they don't have types mm -hmm. at all. Yeah. Or you'll get lengths like LCD sound system just has its like forty-five minutes, <laughs> forty-five twenty-three, or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, really had to do it as well. Brios broke my MP3 player the other day because they had a, had a like title which is like you will you will will you you will, will you will you will just malfunctions do you know the joke about people who like the guys in prison who just they they all told each other all the jokes so many times that they just number the jokes and then, and then, they start, <laughs> then they start just going like one of them's like oh do you remember number 23 and they're like yeah that's good and then, do you remember number 44 oh yeah that's good and then one time like, they, um, one of them goes do you remember number 96 and then like, one, one guy is like laughing way more than all the others and they're like what, why are you laughing so much and he's like oh I've never heard that one before <laughs> uh, yeah but in terms of categorising you think of a song like thematically before you name it is that how, oh, this is the one about this, or like, this is the one that sounds like this. And then giving it a title is something completely different to you. I always think I'm going to be able to do the title first. Like, I'll sometimes, if I'm on a train or something, I'll just sketch out an imaginary album of songs that don't exist yet, just by making out titles. And I, always, I feel like there's a compulsion to not make them cliched. So, I don't know, even mm -hmm. like the, the, this track on the album called Ultraviolet, and as I was like typing in the tracks for the artwork, I realised that I didn't like the fact that it was all one word because it just looked so I put it in a space even though that's not how ultraviolet's written. It just felt <laughs> So it comes aesthetic as well, as part of the packaging of the music. I guess I mean I guess yeah. you're usually looking yeah, you're looking at are there people who do that? Are there any people who are just looking in a CD shop and they look at the track list and see if there's cool track names on there? Yeah. I do that. <laughs>
So yeah, that's the Robot Swans, and coming up now is a track off their debut album, The Tyranny of Robot Swans. The track is called Ultraviolet, and the album is available on Bandcamp via their website, robotswans.com. Thanks very much for listening, and don't forget, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and at stilllistening.co.uk. Until next time. Thank you.